Hi there, and welcome to Fivercast, the podcast for sellers by sellers. I'm Adam, aka Twisted Web One Two Three, and I am Ryan, aka Custom Drum Loops. And today we are joined by one of the members of the Fiverr team, Clark. Clark, nice to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So, Clark, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do inside the Fiverr team. So I, I work on product marketing at Fiverr, which is a really cool role because I get to sit with corporate marketing and um, you know the social team and, and sit with really creative people, but also work um, on with the product team and with some other teams on a little bit more technical um, technical work. And my role is all about kind of bridging the gap between the, the technical products that we're developing and our community of users and kind of breaking breaking it down for them and helping them understand how things work and and how to uh, you know use all of the features and tools that we're we're constantly developing. So one of the tools that you've played a big part in developing is the Fiverr Academy. Yes, that is correct. Um, Fiverr Academy is our um, repository for educational content for sellers, primarily for sellers. We do do some buyer-facing content as well, but um, as you both know so well, um, there are just a ton of different tools and features on Fiverr, and um, sellers really need a place to get kind of nitty-gritty details and tips um, about how to to use them to the best advantage and also sort of more general um, best practices for being a freelancer, running your business online, um, you know, dealing with client related issues. So Fiverr Academy is a nice complement to, you know, our wonderful customer support resources that we have. Um, and, um, you know, we, we want to provide our community with as many places as possible to get as much information as possible about how to really um, make a big impact on, on Fiverr. You know, I think the great thing looking through the Academy is it's great for any level of seller. I mean, from people who just joined all the way to super sellers, there's something for everybody. Was that the intention when it was developed? Do you think that you're going to go more in direction with new sellers or for experienced sellers? What's your plan moving forward with it? That is such a good question. So I think, you know, um, we we really like to give our new sellers as much, many resources as possible and as much kind of hand-holding as, as possible during those crucial initial first steps of selling on Fiverr. Um, so that's kind of where I tend to put um, personally my, my energy. But I would love sort of longer term to develop more um, sort of sophisticated uh, pieces of content, perhaps for, for much more advanced sellers, because um, I know that that even a super seller, even a top rated seller still wants to be challenged and um, engaged and know that they're doing um, you know the best work that they can on the platform. I mean, I think that's great. It's nice to hit both sides, but I think you touched on the new sellers oftentimes are overwhelmed when they start and you know they don't know exactly what to do, what to get started with. And the academy lays it out perfectly. I mean, there's even it broken down into sections, the getting started section. I mean, that's really all you need to get up and running. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you think so. Yeah, we, you know, it's it's a living, breathing place. The Academy is never going to be finished. It, it, We're constantly going back and trying to, you know, um, see if there are any opportunities to introduce new content. Um, you know, when something like gig packages came out, it really um, changed even some of the fundamental tips that we're giving for sellers. So kind of making sure that our content evolves as the platform evolves is is really important for us. Um, but yeah, but for, for the, the we're, we try to really give those new new sellers as much as many tips as possible. Um, I know that it's not always totally clear to to a new beginner what kind of at essence even makes a good gig, like what is a good gig. Um, So I know that that's important to kind of address. 
it kind of uh, it kind of grows like an FAQ in the sense that when there never used to be a Fiverr Academy, you probably had a lot of new sellers kind of going to customer support and asking, how do I do this? How do I do that? Et cetera, et cetera. And now that's covered by the Fiverr Academy. So I imagine there's going to be a point in time when they've taken all the information there and they're coming back at a higher level and then asking, you know, what's the next step to this? What's the next step to that? And you can kind of dynamically take that information and just keep building the academy as the needs and the questions of the growing sellers basically keeps building. That's totally true. We still look to the forum when I'm, when I'm ideating about new, new content, new articles for the academy. And we're always open to suggestions, by the way. But, but when I'm kind of browsing through, I, I look at the forum and I look and see what kind of questions are coming organically from the community. What are people confused about? Um, what do people need more information on? And I also, I love um, opportunities to speak to and partner with our, our customer journey and customer support teams because they do such amazing work developing sort of nitty gritty tutorials, really the kind of technical how-tos and they do an amazing job with that and that's sort of not where the heart and soul of the academy is the academy is a little bit more a little bit more of an angle of you know how do we use this what's you know how do you use these tools even after you've figured out the basics of actually how it work, how the tool works you know how can I personally use it to grow my business and what are kind of um, the the more the steps I can take to to like leverage these tools. So it's, it's, they're very complementary to each other, which is great. It almost seems like the ultimate roadmap for sellers because it's everything from getting started to moving up through the level system, how to keep buyer loyalty. I mean, the way it's subcategorized, I think is fantastic. So great job with, with that. Thank you. I've thought a lot about our taxonomy of content and I have a lot of thoughts on it. I won't go into all of them today, but, but it's good to know that the categorization, uh, you know, makes sense and, and works well for users. That's what I love to hear. I also love seeing at the moment that on each article, you know, you mentioned that there's certain things that change on Fiverr, there's new features that come in, which can alter previous content. I love seeing on each article that you have the previous updated time as well. So I can come back in the, as a user and kind of realize or see, okay, this is new. This is different from what I read before. Um, the only thing that I would say with that, which would be really awesome um, as a suggestion would be if an article has been updated and I've already kind of viewed it and I've come back to the Academy, it'd be really cool if there was like a little marker or some kind of label or something on there on an article saying updated to let me know that it's changed since I last viewed it. So I can always kind of accept or see the newest content relating to the, the help that's been provided. That's a really great point. That's something that we've discussed internally, and it's definitely on our on our queue of. It's on my personal wish, wish list. Um, I can't promise that it would be implemented anytime in the very near future, but that's an amazing piece of feedback, um, and it it totally aligns with what we've been talking about. You know, we do because we have this body of content that is um, being updated, um, you know, regularly. It is important to let to let a user know, like, hey, this this has changed since you last saw it. You know, check it out. I also love that you you go to the forum and you look at kind of like trending topics or what kind of similar questions people are asking or talking about and, and taking from that. I mean, it's quite special that the whole thing is built and revolves around basically what the community is talking about. Right. And I think that that's one of the most, you know, special things about Fiverr. I think the forum is such a phenomenal resource for, for sellers, of course, for buyers, but also for the team that works at Fiverr. Um, it's, it's an amazing place to get, uh, to get feedback and to understand what people's real concerns are and, and kind of what's just top of mind for, 
for this community that we have and everyone's so so passionate and engaged and it's it's really cool to have that at our disposal to be able to to listen to and and draw on it's great to see that knowledge base really coming full circle because you know i think it started with the forum but now having the fiverr academy and even the insider blog section of fiverr that sellers write for i mean it's really taking all this information that's so valuable and in making it available to everybody yeah absolutely i mean i think that Successful sellers themselves will always have such a huge, significant, important role in, in educating the rest of the community. Um, so we definitely want to support that and get, you know, create a platform for that to happen. Um, and it's already happening organically on um, the, for the forum as well. So we have a really great ecosystem where we're kind of creating these complementary bodies of content that um, kind of inform one another and, and hopefully create, yeah, just as much um, as much tools and, and content as possible for for sellers to really get the information they need to succeed. So having you on the show today and being such a driving force behind the Fiverr Academy, we thought it would be great to discuss with you the kind of different elements which make a good gig. So if I were to ask you for a kind of overview, what sort of things would you recommend just straight off the bat that are going to look to make a good gig? Oh, this is one of my favorite topics. So I'm I'm really excited to to maybe go over a few a few tips that I have. Um, you know, a gig is it's a it's at essence it seems fairly simple. I think when you're when you're first considering building one, but there are actually um, there there can be a fair amount of complexity there. So so yeah, I definitely you know um, we we spend all day thinking about gigs, and so we uh, have a lot of advice to kind of to kind of make. But one. One first tip that I would have regarding, you know, what makes a good gig is to be really, really specific in the scope of your gig. Um, each gig that you create on Fiverr should describe one type of service. Um, we see certain, you know, sellers creating gigs and we understand, you know, people are ambitious. They want to cram as much as possible into one gig. So we see, you know, suggestions or we see gig titles like, that says, I will do um, anything you want for, you know, however amount of money. I will do this or that, you know, two different services. Um, and that's, you know, while we admire and while we understand kind of the, the why, why a seller would, would, would position their service like that, um, you know, at essence, Fiverr is a marketplace for, for gigs, which are defined tasks, their, their services with a beginning and an end, you know, it's not about an ongoing, ongoing work or an, an hourly rate or saying you'll do anything. You should really, um, you know, when you're starting out, you should create a gig that just has, you know, describes one type of service. So that's a simple thing, but it's, but it sort of gets lost. I think, um, people don't really grasp that immediately. No, I agree with that. And I even think people try to cram too much into the title occasionally. So I know when I position my gigs, I try to be as clear and concise with what the gig is. For example, an explainer video, I'll create you an explainer video. And when I get the gig description, that's where I can really give the details and the information that maybe why I consider I stand out above other sellers, but I don't want to cram that into the gig title. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, that's an amazing point. It's being concise and clear is something that we very strongly encourage, um, in, in gig titles and definitely, you know, not, not getting too long, uh, and, and complicated and, and, and broad. So both in terms of the language that you use and in terms of the service that you're offering, kind of keep it, keep it small and clean and, and defined. And Fiverr will even tell you if you're 
your title's too long. They'll say, hey, whoa, not cool. The big red box pops up. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so playing devil's advocate slightly, um, I, I see what you mean when you say, you know, don't try to pack too many services into one. So if you're saying something like, I will create your logo or business card or um, letterhead for five dollars. You know, there's there's a lot of different things offering there, and they're all completely different entities. But how do you feel about if I were to create a gig that was called "I will create your social media design," and then in my instructions, using the new instructions tool, I created the Dropbox that said, you know, what um, platform do you need the design created for? Facebook, Google, or YouTube or Twitter? What are your thoughts on that? Because technically that could be split into, I will create your Twitter cover. I will create your Facebook cover. I'll create your um, YouTube design, etc. But it also could kind of fit into just a general social media scope. Yes. Well, that's some, that's some advanced, advanced selling. You, you're, you're coming at this with the, the, the lens of a very advanced seller. Um, and so I think in this particular case, I would let you do anything you wanted to do. But if we're talking about a, a general, we're talking about a new user on Fiverr, I think that, you know, getting into the mindset of, um, of offering a small defined service is a best practice for, for, for a brand new user. Um, you know, whether that will always be the case, um, I cannot see that far into the future, but I think at present we would um, we would still recommend really breaking out um, breaking out your service into those you know into a, that that small discrete offering that's reflected in the title, um, which also kind of trains your buyers to understand how Fiverr works as well. Because I I totally see from the new user point of view, you know how you how it's good to simplify and make it very obvious so both they can learn how to control or manage their orders on Fiverr and the buyers are informed as well. Um, but for me, when it's when it's really close, like something like social media, I think there's a small argument to be made that if you had a social media gig and you had twenty orders and you had twenty feedback, as a new seller, that could potentially look better than having five separate gigs with like three or four feedback on each. And I know I'm being a little bit controversial now. I, I understand uh, your perspective. I think that it's, you know, it's totally valid what you're saying. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's, there's definitely an argument to be made for doing that, but you know, we're, our priority is to kind of educate, educate the majority of, of folks on the, you know, best, the, the best practice that, that we think will work well for the majority of users. And I think there will always be exceptions to that. Um, and you certainly, um, you know, proposed one there, but, but I think that, um, you know, for in general, it's, 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 we would encourage users to kind of, um, we would encourage users to be disciplined in how they organize and structure their gigs. Um, because that's really what the essence of like the spirit of Fiverr is about. It's about, um, you know, selling these, these gigs, these services, um, you know, on a marketplace in the same way that you would, you would purchase a product on online, you know, you're purchasing a service. So it really, it goes back to like the very essence of what Fiverr is all about. And that's why I'm defending it. <laughs> I mean, I'll jump sure. in, I'll jump in and defend that too. I mean, I think but, that's a, I think that's a very specific example. And I think what Clark's referring to is something, you know, saying I'll create you a logo or a video or a jingle for $5. You know, I mean, all the services for social media are falling under a pretty small umbrella. 
but I think when you position yourself like that could be still specific, a graphic for social media versus multiple services crammed into one that are, that are broad spectrum categories. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I complete, I've, I've even seen examples of, you know, multiple spectrum services crammed into one. And I completely agree with that. And that is something that I would say, you know, let's keep them split. I just, I just wanted to kind of highlight um, the element of, Whilst it's a statement that kind of covers the majority of gigs, it's not quite blanket. So there may be some examples where it may be more beneficial to keep things in one if they're very related and I pretty much the same service. Don't go in, out and create, you know, like 10 different gigs with very small different um, changes. Like if you had, for example, I will create a modern logo and then you made another gig saying I'll create a retro logo and then I'll create a futuristic logo it would make much more sense in that scenario to have, I will create a logo and inside your gig instructions, ask what style would you like? Right. Yeah. That's, that's that. I agree. I agree with that completely. You know, I would consider the, I would create a logo to even those variations in style that still goes back to one service, right? The, the logo creation. It's not, I will create a logo and I will make an infographic for you, or I will do, you know, something, some other unrelated design assets. So, um, so right in that case, I would I would say that that should be one, and that the um, you can define elsewhere um, in the gig the actual like style that you're offering and those other those other details because you will have space to do that in other places, and this is just just the title. Yeah, or- I want to uh, I wanted to kind of highlight that because we we've talked about on the show before as well where we've seen buyers kind of follow the idea of one type of service, but they don't they they're a little bit too strict with it, so they kind of split in that way. And they think if they're going to split in that way, that they're going to be, you know, they're going to have 10 gigs inside the same category and it's going to boost them. But we've had people on the show before and we've discussed with people um, before that trying to saturate all your gigs inside one category isn't actually going to be beneficial for you. So I think there's for a new kind of seller, there's a time and a place to know when to split and when to keep it, you know, inside the instructions and use that to find out what information is required. Right, right. Clark, you briefly touched on my favorite subject when I talk about Fiverr, and that's the fact that it's a marketplace for services. I think that's what really makes it stand out above a lot of other freelancing platforms where you might be posting a job and the next day you wake up with a thousand emails with prices ranging from a dollar to $10,000. Fiverr takes the approach of a marketplace where sellers get kind of their own mini e-commerce sites, their mini online stores that they can show their reviews, show their portfolios, show their pricing. And rather than going after buyers, the buyers come after them. So... Being a marketplace um, and different from other freelancing kind of based websites where people may have previous experience of being on these other sites and coming to here, um, what kind of advice would you give them to come out of the mentality of you're not pitching to a buyer, the buyer's coming to you? Mm, yeah, that's, that is that is powerful and it is sort of a, a, a change from what people are used to often. Um, I mean, there are so many advantages of coming to Fiverr, even if you are a um, successful freelancer, say offline or, or on another platform. Um, so in addition to, you know, what Ryan was talking about, this sort of unique structure and format of Fiverr as a marketplace for services, um, we, you know, we have a few other really, really key advantages that I think would resonate with any freelancer at all, which is 
that, um, you know, Fiverr ensures that you'll be paid on time. And what's the, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I work to get paid sometimes, not, not always, but <laughs> that's sort of what people are, that's sort of what, you know, why people find themselves doing work is in the hopes that they'll be paid, um, you know, and within a reasonable time frame. So that's, that's one thing that, that Fiverr, you know, um, takes care of for, for sellers and they kind of, you don't have to go chasing, chasing buyers to, to make sure that you get paid. Um, and the other, you know, huge advantage that I would highlight, um, and that I think that we often highlight in our, um, communications to current users and to, you know, potential new users is that another challenge or pain point of freelancing is sort of not knowing, um, maybe when you're going to get your next client and, and not knowing, you know, how you are going to, um, you know, not being able to have any kind of stable, consistent income. And, and Fiverr takes care of that issue as well, because there is a, um, you know, a global marketplace of, of buyers that are, that are shopping for, for services. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a massive community. It's so much more than any kind of individual um, would be able to, um, you know, have in their network offline. And, um, but it's also, I, I know so many um, users, perhaps you guys have had this experience of really having a lot of, you know, repeat customers and really building relationships with clients on, on Fiverr and, and, and using the marketplace, um, you know, as a place where you can really kind of grow those relationships and, and get, get repeat business from, from the same folks again and again. What I was kind of alluding to um, in regards to the, the mentality of coming from a system where you're pitching to the buyers compared to you setting up shop and the, the buyers coming to you was I'm going to use programming as an example. Um, what I often see on new gigs, especially revolved around programming is they'll set up their gig and their title will be something like, I will do any programming for you. And then their gig description is kind of like, I will do any program for you. Just message me. And for me, that's, that's in the wrong mentality because they're kind of still hoping for it's the buyer who is the one reaching out when really they could have a set service that says I will perform one hour of PHP programming for X amount. So yes. the way that people are kind of pitching themselves, I've often seen, especially as I say, when it comes to programming, people are still kind of in the mindset of you're going to the buyer when they're not actually offering or writing a service that is a service that I can see and just, think, okay, I need an hour's worth of coding. I'm going to order this. Instead, it's almost like a reverse advertisement where you haven't really set up a service. You've just set up a pitch and it kind of slows down the ability for the buyer to pay because they just can't buy and, you know, start. They have to go through it all and figure out exactly what you can do or what you can code. So right. it, for me, it's, it's about kind of having that, that marketplace mentality to realize if you're kind of like a coder, and you're setting up a gig, don't just say you're going to code or don't just say you can code. Offer a specific service or element structure, basically, based on that gig. So it may be you'll do X amount of work for an X amount of money or you offer something specific, like you might offer making contact forms or an element of coding that people frequently ask for, like building a website page or something that is easy for the buyer to kind of ingest and say that's what i need click and buy and start as opposed to all this back and forth where really that's more like a custom quote i think packages is going to make that easier just because with the triple package layout it's going to be more transparent with the pricing and what services are offered and covered 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, you guys honed in on a really interesting nuance um, of, of coming to Fiverr. And I think that it does kind of require a seller to be a little bit maybe more proactive up front and really organize, change the way they're thinking about freelancing and about selling their their service and um, and, and organize their service in this framework that, you know, of the gig or of a gig package. And, and I do think maybe there's a little bit of a learning curve there where people aren't used to presenting these kind of fixed options for um for for their potential buyers but it it does what it results in is um you know such such a better experience for a buyer to come and be able to review the different um you know offers available in a gig package or to understand um really immediately and thoroughly like what what exactly someone is offering and to be able to compare different options i mean it's just such a such a great experience for for buyers so a little bit more of thinking upfront for a seller but but it just results i think in um in a more seamless transaction yeah, because what I what I basically ended up doing, um, I have one programming gig and I realized that something like programming, it's very hard to kind of give a fixed fee because it's always going to rely on what the buyer wants. And some sellers may say, well, I don't know what I can offer and I can't just say I will code for $5. So they're always kind of telling people to reach out to them. But what I actually ended up doing was I created a gig that basically it has two options to it for the actual gig that themselves. They can come and ask me three questions for a set price, a bit of kind of like DIY, learn how to do it yourself and move on. Or if they have any custom requests or specific coding needs, that's where we kind of take it custom and we take that conversation and handle that. And I found that helped me so much more because it was so much less buyer confusion where a buyer was maybe placing a $5 order for, you know, broad spectrum coding and in not being clear exactly what that entailed or, you know, how much work would be performed or was it based on time? Was it based on how technical something was or anything along these lines? So what I found really helped me there was making sure I had a very clear base offering, which was a gig that someone could just pick up an order and, you know, not have any questions about. And then the upsell on top of that, which kind of was a seamless upsell. But for me, having that set clear service on a on something that's so dynamic really helped with the buyer confusion and it also helped to push my upsells as well. That's great. I love hearing uh, I love hearing about an upsell strategy that's that's panning out. Um, and you've, you know, by honing in specifically on the programming category, you've you've highlighted a place that is um, that is quite challenging for us because um, that is a category in which we we particularly see sort of um, users like you know struggling a little bit perhaps to organize their offering within the the, the fiber framework in a way that feels intuitive um, for themselves and for 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 buyers as well. So that's a great a great category to, to call out. So coming back to um, what makes a good gig, you know, we've kind of covered talking about the title and making sure that the service is correctly defined and is, you know, based around a singular kind of service as opposed to being everything kind of all in one. But coming down to looking at the rest of the gig or different elements inside it, what other things would you recommend? Sure. Yeah. So we have um, we have quite a few recommendations, you know, um, just looking going back to the title just for one second. We see sometimes users who are really excited to put things about, you know, their really short, extra fast turnaround times um, to kind of highlight that in their in their gig title. But, um, you know, we encourage users to be really 
careful about doing that because consistency between the gig title and the, dis- the gig description is super important. Um, it's, it's confusing for buyers if you say something in your title and then the gig description sort of contradicts that or doesn't fully align with that. They should be totally consistent and, and really match up. Um, and that really helps avoid kind of buyer confusion. And, and it, um, you know, also for you, the seller, you know, you can be sure when you get an order that you know exactly what the scope of that order is gonna, going to be every time. Um, in terms of other, you know, other tips we have, um, categorization is, is super important. Are you, you know, and sometimes I think it's, it's really easy to correctly categorize your, your service. Um, and other times it's, it's maybe a little more tricky or challenging, or you, you, you find yourself in one, you know, you've selected one subcategory for yourself, but then maybe down the line, you, you start looking around the marketplace and you see, Oh, that, you know, there are gigs that are more similar to yours that are, you know, in another subcategory. So kind of just keeping an eye on that and making sure that, that your gig is categorized is hugely important because you want to be in the category uh, where, you know, interested buyers that are interested in your service will be looking. Um, So that's, that's super important. So uh, coming back to the gig title um, now, the timing thing I've noticed quite a lot. And the biggest thing for me is, and I've made this mistake as a, as a new seller. And anytime I speak to anyone who wants to start selling on the Fiverr platform, the thing that I always kind of initially recommend is when you first create, uh, create your gig, like when you literally create your gig, do not be too specific in your gig title. Because if you write something like I will do XXX inside 24 hours, now, even if your gig description and everything else matched up, your URL is always going to say 24 hours. So if, you know, like a year down the line or a month down the line, you change it, your URL is still going to have the time indicator in there. It may even be if you were to write, I'm going to create three logos for X amount. If you decide to change that in the future, your URL is still going to say three logos. It would be much better to be nondescript and say something like, I'm going to create a logo and then go back and edit that with those kind of details or uh, differentiating factors so you don't kind of ruin it for yourself in the future i mean the example i've got is i i'll review a website and i'll provide 10 tips or five dollars and the problem i've got now is if i ever change my 10 tips my url still says 10 tips and that is quite annoying because it can create confusion if any users notice that i think that's true especially with new sellers because everybody wants that way to go above and beyond and oftentimes it's faster delivery or offering more for less to get the reviews and then, you know, planning on changing it down the road. But it is funny because I don't think a lot of people think about the fact that the URL doesn't change. So I think that's a great piece of advice for new sellers. Yeah, that's an amazing point. Um, definitely don't want to, don't want to get yourself into uh, that situation. Um, so yes, we, you know, we, we love our sellers to be as ambitious as possible, but, but really think, um, you know, think twice about, committing to a specific time frame, I think within the gig title, especially like when you're just starting out um, to your point, it can just cause a lot of confusion down the line. The other thing as well is coming onto the categories. Um, I've often, I've had people come to me and kind of say, I'm not sure what category to put this in. So I've, you know, I've just put it inside other. And now the thing I've always recommended to them, and this isn't just true on Fiverr, it's true of anywhere you shop online. Things like the other categories, they just don't gain as much traction because what you're relying on as a seller is basically people browsing. No one goes to the other section looking for something specific. If they're looking for something specific, they'll go to the related category. 
So what I always recommend there is if you aren't quite sure where your service is going to fit into, tweak it slightly so it fits inside a clearly defined category as opposed to thinking you're just going to put it inside an other section. Because if, let's say, for example, you're doing some kind of design work and you tweak it so it can go inside a design category, if someone's inside the design category looking for something else, they'll come across your product or they'll find your product. Whereas if you just put it inside the other category, you're very reliant on people specifically browsing the other category, which is less likely than if it was a lot more defined. I think the misconception there, too, is that there'll be less competition in the other section, which is probably true, but for a reason. And, and I think it's good to avoid it because of that as well. Right, right. Yeah. That's an amazing point. Just it's very nondescript and you can kind of you can just see it from the fiber front end in general and talking about being less competition. I think when you're setting up a gig and figuring out which category to go inside. Now, it's always important that your gig relates to your category. Um, if you have to tweak it in some way so it, it works inside that category. But what you should also do is look at the categories you're looking to post into and kind of look at the highest rated filter. See how many sales the top person has. And if the top person has a lot of sales, then it's likely to be a popular category. Whereas if you go inside the other category, the sales amount or the feedback amount is usually lower. I mean, even inside the business tips category that I'm inside now, my highest rated, uh, I'm the highest rated gig inside there. And I think I'm just under 4,000 feedback. Whereas you go somewhere like the logo um, category and the highest rated gig is much higher than that. We're talking tens of thousands. So if you're creating a gig that is along the lines of, I will mock up your brand logo do you think you put that inside the business category or inside the logo design category now technically it could fall under both criteria depending on the service you offer but you'd be much more likely to put that inside the logo category because it just makes more sense based on the type of user who are going to be browsing that category and also the amount of foot traffic that's going into that category related to your service yeah so i i one thing i wanted to to mention um while we're talking about the subject of, um, you know, you keep bringing up the different categories that you guys are working in. And one, um, one tip that I have that's very much category specific and kind of aligns with the conversation about, um, you know, correctly categorizing your gig is to be, um, to be aware of the kind of like terminology, the lingo associated with your particular category. If you're in graphics and design, you should be able to describe in your title and in your gig description, you should be able to kind of speak, speak the language of design and talk about specific, um, you know, design tools and file types. And if you're in programming and tech, if you're doing a WordPress gig, you know, be being mindful of, um, you know, using language that, that is, um, the kind of commonly accepted vocabulary that that buyers will be familiar with and will understand in those um, those categories. I think that that's a great way to kind of immediately establish yourself, um, establish your expertise within within your category, within your subcategory is to be really mindful to use the right, you know, the accurate commonly accepted lingo you know, of those of those categories, because there's often, um, you know, quirks or, um, you know, multiple ways to describe a service or, uh, an, you know, an issue um, that your, you know, that your gig might pertain to. I think, I think that's a really key point. Um, and I think a good way to highlight it is basically, let's, let's say you're going to do a landing page. Now, some people argue that if they call it something different, it may stand out more to the buyer. 
But I think it, like you say, it has the opposite effect because it isn't normal to the buyer. So if the buyer is looking at this gig or this category and it says, I'll create a landing page and there's all these people explaining the landing page design that you do and you call it, you know, a wonderful pop-up modern page or just something really that doesn't make sense, the users aren't really going to understand that. And it's it's also reflected when you go on some websites and when you go on websites, you'll notice that, you know, they always kind of have like an about page or a story page or it's always kind of the same wording. Because if you create a page and you think, I want to be super unique, I want to call it something completely different, um, like, you know, our journey or something along these lines, it doesn't always click or resonate with the buyer what you actually mean. So there's, as you said, there's something to be said for you want to stand out, but you kind of have to also follow the constructs of the category you're in because you're not going to stand out if you don't. You're just going to confuse the buyers. You know, and we've talked we've talked so much about kind of um, you know the language and wording that you you know that you use when you're a seller creating a gig, but we haven't really touched on visuals yet. And um, and and visuals are super important. I mean, um, like most people looking at the internet, I think that fiber buyers are totally you know um, interested in and and looking really closely at any imagery that's part of your gig. Um, and also, you know, as a seller, your, your profile image is super important, but, um, just thinking about the, the portfolio images you use, the gig image that you use, um, and understanding that, you know, your gig image will be reflected on your, you know, it'll be visible on your gig page, but it will also live as a thumbnail, right. When, when users are browsing through search. So kind of understanding and, and, um, you know, optimizing any any images that you use for those two different distinct pages and kind of understanding like, how will this image look as a thumbnail? Um, how, you know, what's a good way to kind of stand out from among the the, the, the huge results, you know, search results that a, that a buyer might be browsing through. And then also, um, you know, having that, that image that also looks great and um, can stand out on your, on your actual gig page as well. I think it's a great way to help your branding too. I mean, depending on what gig you offer, if you're a uh, spokesperson for businesses, you probably don't want to use a selfie from your beach vacation as your gig profile picture. You know, you're going to want something that is going to resonate with the buyer who's looking at it. So it gives you a chance to brand your gig in a sense and brand your, your page. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, that's, you know, we, we love it when sellers sort of think about it in those terms, in terms of branding themselves, branding their gigs. So that's, that is a great opportunity to do, to accomplish just that. One of my biggest pet peeves as well, uh, when it comes to visually appealing gigs and things like your live portfolio is now, you know, not ever, not every seller is going to want to do this, but my biggest pet peeve is when you've got a visual gig, like something like logo design and inside your live portfolio, you're not being consistent in the way that you're demonstrating stuff. So some people may, you know, deliver loads of different logos to different sellers at different sizes, different resolutions and all this other stuff. And when you're looking at the portfolio, every image is different. Like the whole image is different and it just it isn't really that clean or or that organized. So as a buyer, when I'm trying to buy from someone, I'm not just looking at, you know, the different logos they've created. I'm trying to visually accept that every image inside their portfolio is different. So what I often do when I create something like a logo or a Twitter design is I always make sure that my deliverable that's going to show inside the live portfolio is always consistent. So when they click through to the next image, the only thing that they have to focus on is the literal, you know, deliverable so they can just focus on the logo and not the fact that all of the background and colors and everything else has changed 
or it doesn't follow the brand anymore where you kind of start to become confused. And I, I see that quite a lot with new sellers as well, where they haven't got those practices down yet. And the fact is when you're trying to fill up your portfolio, it's going to take you a while to get a consistent kind of brand or, or pitch to your buyers. So if you're just delivering loads of random images and then you decide to change this down the line, it's going to take quite some time to make your, your portfolio kind of look on point. So, I mean, you wouldn't go into a company and then ask to see your portfolio and you just hand them loads of different sheets of, you know, one piece of card, one piece of cardboard, one piece of paper, et cetera. You would give them something consistent and organized to look at. I think that that thinking in terms of those little those little details and nuances can make a really big difference in terms of how professional and 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 kind of credible that you can come across as a seller. Um, and and also one thing that I, I keep thinking of as I'm listening to you guys talk is that um, you know you're both very aware of how the marketplace evolves and how you as a seller maybe you evolve over time. Your the the, the gigs that you're selling are, are changing or your style of um, you know of of logo design, for example, can evolve over time. So one thing that we I think a really good tip um, that we can encourage sellers to do is to think about maintenance and to think about really maintaining their profile and their gigs and their gig descriptions and keeping them up to date. You know, when we um, introduced packages to the community, there was such a great response and people kind of jumped on board. Um, but, you know, in, in their swept up in the excitement of packages, you know, sort of neglected not to or, or forgot to, to update their gig description to reflect the new structure. So now what we're seeing is sometimes like a gig description that's totally disconnected from the, the packages underneath or doesn't re really reflect the, 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 the user that the seller is now selling packages. And so, um, you know, we encourage you to, to really, you know, take a minute and, and look at your profile as though you were a buyer, which I think is always a good um a good tip, um, you know, look at your gig as though you were a buyer seeing it for the first time and kind of understand, you know, does, does this make sense Do these different pieces of the profile may, or the, the gig, maybe you've been updating them separately, but is it cohesive? Um, and, and to your point, um, Adam, definitely, you know, taking, taking steps to be as polished and to present as, as well as possible. I think, I think maintenance is a really important point. And I mean, I've fallen foul of that before where I maybe haven't noticed that I've changed something and I haven't quite updated everything. And I actually, I could think of a real life example I had with a friend of mine who was a seller and he used to offer um, spokesperson gigs. So he would talk for your company or in some kind of presentation and he used to have a beard and his video showed that he had a beard, but one day he shaved it all off and he didn't change his video and he got some orders and the people kind of said to him, you know, where's your beard? <laughs> we ordered from you because that's the look that we wanted. And something like that, I think is really simple to kind of forget to do where if your gig is somehow based around your appearance and you change your appearance, you might not think, oh, I need to update my Fiverr video and it can easily slip your memory, but it's absolutely key. Otherwise there could be confusion there. Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant point. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of have the, um, to stay on top of all of your ongoing, you know, um, orders and, you know, you're, you're sort of living your life and you're, you're selling and, um, it's just good to kind of take, take a step back sometimes and, and, and think about maintenance. Um, I, I think that it can be, it can really make a big difference. So Fiverr being a marketplace and the territory that comes with a marketplace is there are agreements that need to take place between buyer and seller. 
And one of the things that buyers and sellers can both learn from this is the concept of setting reasonable expectations. So whether you're a buyer knowing that you can't come in with a budget of $5 and expect to get a full production commercial or as a seller who is new and you want to offer more to say something unreasonable, like I'll give you 20 hours of coding for $5. Uh, Clark, what do you think is a good way to be clear with how you set these expectations so both parties win as buyers and sellers? That is such a great question. Um, so, so I think, you know, as a seller, it's about setting yourself up for success and understanding um, what a reasonable expectation what a reasonable expectation is for yourself of the amount of work that you can complete in a given amount of time or, um, you know, how realistic it is to, to hit a really tight deadline. You know, first you have to understand that yourself. And then, um, you know, the sort of, you have an opportunity to educate buyers who often will not know as much about the particular request as the seller would. Um, you know, you have an opportunity to educate buyers about what is reasonable and when you can deliver something and why you can deliver something. And that is so valuable and such a better, I think ultimately a better experience as a buyer to, um, to get trained in, Oh, you know, I I can't expect something to be back to me in an hour. Um, but I can expect it tomorrow. And I understand that I can get it tomorrow because the seller needs to do X, Y, and Z. And, and that's, just such an important part of any kind of, um, you know, relationship when you're managing clients. I think that, um, you know, it's not about just meeting really tight deadlines and it's not about just kind of making the impossible happen. I think it's much, much more fruitful to understand what reasonable expectations are yourself. Um, know what you can do, you know, set yourself up for success. Don't, don't try to be a, don't, don't be a hero, just, you know, um, and then, and then be able to communicate that really clearly to uh, to a buyer. And I think any rational buyer will respond positively to that. It's, it's almost more important than getting exactly what they need, exactly when they want it. It's understanding, okay, how does this work? Right. I think that element of communication and clarity is really important with communicating with buyers. You know, So that way they know and they appreciate that you took the effort to explain why it might take an extra day and why it's not something that's instant. And they are getting an element of customization to their work that takes time. Right. I think it, uh, it kind of, it's all about knowing what your, your worth is as well. Um, there's this, there's a story that I heard a few years ago that always kind of resonated with me, especially when it comes to Fiverr, you know, before we had packages and you had a lower lead in, uh, I'm going to say the story now. It's going to probably sound a little bit pretentious, but it, it, it really resonated with me and it may resonate with other people. And the story is basically that Picasso was in the park drawing and a woman walked over to him and said, can you draw a photo of me? So a picture of me. So he drew a simple photo and gave it to her. And he said, you know, that's going to be $200, please. And she said, $200, that that took you two minutes. And he said, no, it took me a lifetime. And for me, that kind of highlights when you need to realize your worth or the worth in the job that you can do and have a reasonable expectation. There's a tipping point between wanting to offer more to seem like a good deal and getting more orders, but also knowing that you need to kind of know your worth and where to set it so you don't kind of hurt your potential in the future or undersell yourself. That's a beautiful anecdote. I love I love that story about Picasso. Um, and it, it really resonates, I think, you know, particularly with someone, anybody doing creative work, um, 
yeah, know, knowing your worth and not being afraid to set boundaries um, with anybody asking, you know, for you to do work for them. Um, I think that that is, you know, perhaps the most important lesson that a freelancer could learn or definitely one of the most important lessons that a freelancer could learn. Well, that's all we had time for this week. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Clark for joining us. As always, our jingle was made by Custom Drum Loops and we were edited today by Dansha. I'm a